Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. In Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, it says, One day... As Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put him a little out to shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your net for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down my nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. Here's the miracle in the story, not the miracle catch, but fishermen sharing their fishing spot. Just a thought. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled up their boats to shore. They left everything and they followed him. Let me give you a quick recap as to what I've just read and what is really happening here. Jesus is doing what he did a lot of in the last three and a half years of his life. And that was preaching and teaching and doing signs and wonders and miracles. For the first 30 years of his life, he didn't do much of that at all. The last three and a half years, he did a whole stack of it. And his popularity was growing whenever he opened his mouth. People wanted to know who this Jesus was and where he was so they could get around and hear him teach and preach because he preached and teached in a way that was unlike any other religious leader of that time. And so here's Jesus preaching to the masses. And as he's preaching to the masses, guess what's happening? The number of people that he's preaching to is growing by the minute. And so Jesus is preaching and realising he's running out of room. And so he takes a step back and keeps preaching. He takes a step back and keeps preaching. He takes a step back and keeps preaching. And the people are crowding in on him and he's on the beach. But as he's getting further and further back, he's getting closer and closer to the water's edge. He's running out of room. Growth is an incredibly exciting phenomena. It's something we all want as a church, growth. We wanna see our family and friends come to church. We wanna see our family and friends come to Jesus. That's what we wanna see. That's what we're believing for. We're believing for growth. And that's what's taking place here in this account. But not only is it exciting, it's also very problematic. Because as the number is growing, Jesus is running out of room. And as he's running out of room, Jesus, ever the opportunist, 
And ever the multitasker sets about continuing to give the people what they need, the Word of God, while at the same time fixing the immediate problem, space, at the same time, he wants to grow the disciples and at the same time, build his church. And as he's thinking about all these dynamics, he wants to take the disciples on a journey with him. And this journey is going to test the disciples. And how they respond is really important to Jesus. And so he watches to see how they will respond because their response was key to the growth of the soon to be birthed church. And can I say that our response to these four points I'm about to make are crucially important to the growth of this church. Jesus, ever the opportunist, ever the multitasker, sets about feeding the people, fixing the problem, growing and stretching the disciples and building His church all at the same time. And how they respond was really important. How they responded to going from the beach to the boat which is my first point, is really important. You see, Jesus was running out of room. And so he looks to a man by the name of Simon, otherwise known as Peter, and says, can I borrow your boat? I need your boat because we've got a problem. We've run out of room. We need to adapt. We need to be flexible. We need to change. Growth is always going to challenge your flexibility or your inflexibility. If we are serious about growth, we've got to be flexible. Someone once said, blessed are the flexible for they shall not break. It's one thing to say, I want growth. It's another thing to embrace it by being willing to change. And so I imagine Peter, he's just finished washing his nets. He's just sitting there, maybe a little bit tired, just cleaned his boat, cleaned his nets. And now he wants to use my boat. I don't know exactly what Peter was thinking at that moment, but maybe he was thinking, hang on, I've just cleaned the thing. Um, I'm tired. Can't you use somebody else's boat? Or worse still, can't we just send the people away? And Jesus will have none of that. He wants to create more room for more people because He's not into the alternative, which is turning people away. See, growth equals one thing, change. And change doesn't come without transition. And the thing about change is this, that change is the requirement for existence. If we want our doors to stay open as a church, we've got to be prepared to change. If we don't change, we'll begin to die. We have to adapt in order to be relevant and continue to grow. 
And so Jesus was running out of land and so he realised what was once helpful is now no longer helpful. And in order to stay afloat, I've got to get in a boat. And so he steps into the boat so that that which he began would not be lost. And imagine if Peter didn't respond well. Send the people away. What's it matter? Second thing about change is change is always personal. It doesn't matter if you move a chair. You might say, it's just a chair. But a chair represents a person who sits on that chair. And the moment you move that chair, you're touching a person's world. So change is always personal. Doesn't matter what it is, it's always personal because people are attached to that change. And that's why some respond well and others respond not so well. The other thing about change is change is situational, or sorry, change is not the problem. The problem really is in transition because change is situational, but transition is psychological. And this is why many people don't make the change. Not well anyway. It's one thing to make a change. Let me just explain it this way. When you get married, you can get married and have a change. But if you don't transition mentally and psychologically, you can be a married man living in a new home with a wife, but still be living like a single man. And that will always create tension in a marriage if you haven't transitioned mentally. See, change is not enough. We have to transition mentally. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We've got to understand the importance behind why we need to change. If we don't understand why we are changing, we won't embrace the change when it comes. And I realise that this church is not for everyone in the city of Adelaide. I realise that. But there are some blessed people who, who prayed with us and believed with us and fasted with us for church growth to come. And when it came, they didn't like it. Because they embraced the change, but they didn't transition mentally. And so they ultimately didn't like the change that they'd embraced. And they could no longer do the journey with us. That's why we see the divorce rate so high more often than not is because we have people who will not make the mental shift from being single to married. You can marry the most beautiful girl, guys. You can have the white wedding dress, girls. You can have the magnificent wedding day, the best weather, the best photographer, the best videographer. You can have the best of everything but that's not gonna hold your marriage together. To hold it together, you've got to start thinking like a married person. And in order for us to embrace the change, or sorry, the growth that is coming, we've got to be prepared to change. And in order to change, we have to transition. And that is psychological. That is not situational. That is psychological. And so I wanna ask you, before we just embrace change, we've got to think about the why we are needing to make the change. Because change will look different and you may not be sitting in the same seats anymore. But for the sake of the people that are coming, we need to make that change. And so the first thing we see in this account of Jesus' life, He sees and looks to see if the disciples will respond well from moving 
from the beach to the boat. Secondly, he looks to see how they respond from talk to walk. And this is the desire for us to grow as we go. Jesus asked Peter to row him out a little from the shore. Now here's the thing, Jesus could have rowed that boat himself. But he asked Peter. He asked Peter to do something that he could have done for himself. And that's because Jesus is into on-the-job training. See, Peter and the disciples have been sitting there listening to Jesus for quite a while. And there's a place to sit and listen. But eventually you've got to get up and do. Our our, our life has to move from just talking and to start walking. And I fear that some of us uh, are, are worried that we're not qualified enough to do certain things when Jesus is wanting us just to do something. If we waited till we were ready, we would never have planted this church. I'll never forget the day when our pastor asked me if I wanted to start a church. And I found myself saying yes. Not because I was ready, but because it was an opportunity. And I realised, though I was not fully equipped, I was equipped enough. And many of us are equipped enough to do something. And Jesus is waiting to see whether they will move from talking to walking. I know you've been sitting on that boat for a little while, Pete. You've been listening to me. So how about you do something now? How about you row me out just a little bit? And and, and can you do that with a good attitude? And you can do it with a smile on your face. Jesus is going to test us and give us opportunities to put our theory into practice. We had a meeting recently and Paul Benitham brought this thought which fits in really nicely here. He said that when we are younger as Christians and younger as people, God tends to deal with us in the area of our weaknesses. And because we're quite immature when we're young, there's lots of weaknesses. And so we see that true for Peter here. When when Peter and Jesus first meet, Peter's dealing with his pride, his selfishness, his arrogance, his obnoxiousness. He's dealing with all those things in Peter's life. And as he's spending time with Peter, he's challenging now in different areas. Because as we get older, as we get more mature in the ways of God, he no longer tests us just in the area of our weakness, but also in the area of our strengths. And so we see that happening here with Peter. Because after he's rowed him out, Jesus looks at Peter and says, how about you throw your net into the water to catch some fish. Now, one of Pete's strong points, I mean, one of his strong points may not have been, um, you know, selflessness. One of his strong points may not have been humility. 
But one of his strong points was fishing. He was a good fisherman. And Jesus was not a fisherman. And here's a non-fisherman telling a fisherman to throw his net into the water at the wrong time of day. What is Jesus doing here? He's testing Peter to see if Peter's gonna rely on his own strength or defer to the wisdom of God. As young Christians, He deals with us in the area of our weakness because there's lots of them. But as we find our fit, we find our strength, we find what we're good at, we find a flow in life, God starts dealing with the areas of our strength and says, you've given me some of your weaknesses, now will you give me some of your areas of strength? Because when we are holding on to our strengths, we no longer feel like we need God. And this is what I love about Peter. And this is, this is probably more miraculous than the actual catch. Is that Peter, who was not prone to humility, who was quite boastful and loud and proud, humbles himself to the non-fisherman and says, I don't agree with it. I don't like it. I don't know what you're on about, but because you say so, I will let down my nets. God wants us to move from talking to walking. If Peter didn't throw his nets out, he could have gone into a massive dialogue, more and more talk about what should happen here because he's the fisherman. And so this is the thing I love about following Jesus. He's never done with us. When you're young and immature, plenty of work to do. When you're more mature and you're older and you've got some strengths, He's still working on us. And He wants to know, if you've been a Christian for 50 years, are you going to come to church and just hear more talk? Are you still actively involved? It's Stock Take Sunday and it's a good time to take stock of our lives. Can we just take this out of the past tense and bring it into the present tense and no longer think about Peter and think about us? Are we prepared still? I mean, I'm not talking about what we used to be prepared to do. Are we still prepared to move from the beach to the boat? Are we still prepared to walk and not just talk? Because this is what Jesus was looking for. How are the disciples going to respond? Because this was not just about feeding the masses. This was not just about fixing the immediate problem. This was about growing and stretching the disciples in order for the church to grow. And the only way the church is going to grow is if my people are still growing. Which brings me to my third point. Are they prepared to move from fish to men? This is the focus to see the grander vision. See, the amazing thing about this story, the disciples catch a large number of fish. And it was amazing. Can you imagine the excitement of these fishermen? I mean, previously they've been out all night and caught nothing. I don't know if you've ever done fishing. I haven't done much of it. I think it's probably the world's worst thing to do personally. I mean, you know, let's watch paint dry. <laughs> At least you don't, you know, have to pick up worms. 
So they throw out their nets, nothing. But now they get this massive catch. And this wasn't a, a fisherman's massive catch when really it was just that big. This is, this is like a genuine massive catch. And they're like, this is awesome. And Jesus, I've already mentioned, ever the opportunist, ever looking for that teaching moment, ever looking to enlarge and grow his disciples, took them from something that was good to something that was great. Took them from something that was good to something that was far better. He took them from mere fish. He says, have you enjoyed catching these fish? Oh, yes, great. Well, I want to lift your head. I want to open your eyes to something bigger and better than just catching fish. How about this? We go and catch some people. We go and change the world. We keep our perspective on the grander vision, the bigger picture. And he waits to see their response. I want to encourage you to be a church that goes after the grander vision. No matter how good your life is right now, no matter what the catch is right now, no matter how much money you're earning right now, no matter how much you're enjoying your job right now, there's something bigger and better than just the job, just the money, just the house, just the car. There's something bigger and something better and it's called purpose, a God-given purpose. You see, when we go away, and we have gone away quite a lot in our time of ministry, and with young kids, it means getting our kids looked after. And we have a fairly nice home. And usually our kids being looked after will mean someone coming to stay in our home and look after our kids. And what I want you to know about a home is this, as nice as it may be, and as nice a car as I may drive, and that's all dependent on what you drive, I suppose, and as nice as some of the things we, ha we have in our home, I will tell anyone who's looking after our kids that we only have three treasures in this house, and they are our children. And so if there's a fire, and if there's a problem, or if someone broke in or anything goes wrong, don't grab the vase. <laughs> don't grab the plasma TV. And we've got a new plasma. We, we have a new, new, it's great. But don't grab that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? The person looking after our kids, house goes up in flames and we run out with a plasma TV <laughs> and our kids are still inside. And I come home as the father and they said, here, I saved the television. <laughs> I said, where are my kids? I don't know. 
I think they're in the house. Got a great tan. <laughs> no father's gonna be happy. No father is gonna be happy with a swap of child for television. What makes us think that we will be able to stand before God, our heavenly Father, and say, look what I did. And He's interested in people. And we present our homes and our jobs and our cars and all the wealth that we accumulated on planet Earth. And He's like, where's the people? Where are my children? Jesus is only gonna come Back to planet Earth for one thing. And it's not plasma TVs. It's not, like, it's not like Jesus is waiting in heaven, waiting for the release from the heavenly Father. Come on, come on, let me go now. Let me go now because the technology down there is unbelievable. Come on, let me go. We laugh, but that's how we live our lives. And Jesus is like, oh, they've got the latest iPhone coming out. Oh, please, Father, please, let's go down now, now, now. I want to be in the front of the line. I want to get in the front of the line. Krispy Kremes has come to Adelaide, please. (laughs) If I'm making sense, the question that begs to be asked is, why do we waste so much time on those things? People are beautiful. People are precious. And I've devoted to giving my life to serving God through serving people. And I want you to do the same. It may look different than what I do. We're not all going to be doing the same job. But your job has a purpose. People. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, there are people attached to where you are and what you're doing. That's the primary purpose of why you are where you are. It's people. I'm not against making money. I'm not against businesses. I'm not against those things. But let's attach whatever it is that we are doing, wherever we are right now, to the purpose of our existence, and that's to reach precious people. Because Jesus wants us to go from fish to men. What's your fish? What's your fish? He wants us to go from fish to men. And lastly, he wants us to go from dollars to destiny. And this is a willingness to pay the price. The amazing thing is, these disciples, they left everything to follow Jesus. See, the grander the vision, the higher the price tag. See, Jesus never asked the disciples to leave their business. He presented the bigness of the vision. He presented a grander vision. And he waits to see how they respond. He highlights something bigger and leaves it for them to let go of something smaller. And I'm trying to highlight something bigger this morning. 
And I'm not here to control you, nor manipulate you, nor twist your arm. I'm here trying to put something bigger before you that you will make the right choice and let go of lesser things. Because that's what Jesus is doing here with his disciples. Many years ago, I had a business. And when we first started this church, I continued doing that business. And for two years, I was able to do the business and church. But then there came a conflict, a conflict of interest, a conflict of time, a conflict of purpose, a conflict of calling. And I remember having to make that choice. Am I going to go from dollars to destiny? And because I did my apprenticeship with my dad, I'll never forget the day I went to my dad. And and I knew it was coming. I didn't know when. I knew this day would come when I'd have to give up this business. I knew that. And I knew my dad knew it was coming. And i never forget going into the house that he still lives in, in the shed that we did much work together. And I walked up to him confidently. I was unemotional. And I said, Dad, I want you to know that And I stopped at that and I just burst into tears. I could not stop crying. He cried, I cried, we hugged. I think, I don't even know if I got the words out, I think he got the idea. It was a weighty call. Some may say an unwise call. What do you want to do that for? But to me, I think it's the smartest thing I could have ever done. I don't feel like I've given up anything. I feel like I've been very smart. I resigned myself to going without much. I just thought, you know, I'm going to be one of those poor pastors. And and, and that's what I went into ministry thinking. And where God has taken me around the world and some of the things that I've been able to do, it's just been like, oh my goodness. They say you can't have your cake and eat it too. I feel like I've had my cake and I've been able to eat it as well. It's an amazing thing. But here's the thing I love about the story. It's not just what Jesus is asking us to do. It's not what Jesus is asking his disciples to do. It's what Jesus did himself. Because Jesus led by example. Jesus was the man who was prepared to leave the beach for the boat whatever it takes for more people. He he was the one that was able to go from just talking to walking. He was tempted and tested in every way as we have been and yet he never sinned. He lived a righteous life. He didn't just talk about it, he lived it. He was one who always embraced the greater vision. He was always looking at turning whatever was happening into the real thing, and that's people. And we see that Jesus paid the biggest price of all. 
And what I love about serving Jesus is that he leads by example. My question to you this morning, church, is this. As Christians, who are we meant to become more like? Surely, it's Jesus. And Jesus was prepared to go from the boat to the beach. He was prepared to do the walk and the talk. He was prepared to go not after just fish, but men as well. And he's prepared to go from dollars to destiny. And you and I are the recipients of such a sacrifice. Should we do and give anything less as a church? Can I pray this morning? Then we're going to show a video. And then hopefully with what we share from there on, we'll be in keeping with what you've just heard. Father, this morning, I thank you for what you're doing in our church. It's exciting. But I pray, dear God, it would not just be left to the faithful few. I pray that our response would not just be because of what is said this morning. I pray it would be bigger and deeper than that. I pray that we could move because of the example you set us. I pray the motivation for all that we do would come directly from the scriptures and the example set from your life. And I pray that as a result, the people in our world, wherever that may be, in business, schools, universities, in the shopping malls, in our street, would be influenced and affected for the good as a result of us embracing the grand division. And I ask that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 